Welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast with the host, Dennis D. Pesquale, and I'm Brian Gurgis. My favorite person to have with us. <laughs> so today we're going to sit down, have a couple beers, discuss some sales, and as usual, we're going to open up with a priming question here. Have you ever done anything unethical or been involved in anything unethical with sales or done something too emotional to get a sale? And what are your current thoughts or reflections on that? Um, uh, my, my initial thought is, no, I have not done anything unethical. Uh, but I wonder what anyone would consider to be unethical. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my core values, and it's one of the core values that's built into our organization, is ethics and character and treating the customer with respect. So uh, within that, anything I think that might be manipulative to the customer, I definitely want to avoid. Sure. Uh, if I think that a, a competitor is going to be better for them in all aspects, I send them to competitor. Sure. So... Uh, to that end, my answer is going to be no, a flat out no. Uh, now, that's from my perspective. Mm -hmm. So what makes an ethical salesperson? I think that's a critical component of answering that question. And you know, when we talk about ethics, from an academic perspective, we can get into the weeds with utilitarianism and the other, I think, two orientations that are out there. Uh, but, you know, where does that come from? I will say one thing when it comes to character that might confuse some of the viewers every now and then I do say something that could, you know, pique their interest. I will say, you know, empathy, not, not compassion. Mm -hmm. And something that I firmly believe is that leading with compassion can sometimes be detrimental to the person that you're supposedly being compassionate towards. Uh, so, you know, especially when it comes to looking at salesperson orientations, if we go in the challenger paradigm, mm -hmm. that relationship orientation leads with compassion. They don't get the sale. And that often means that they're going with a less than capable solution because they didn't push to find the best solution sure. for what they're, for what they're trying to solve there. That makes sense. So when you're kind of splitting the hair between compassion and empathy, how do you mean that it could harm the person that you're talking to potentially? Okay. So let's think about it from the perspective of locus of control. Mm -hmm. One of the elements of locus of control is that you have control over your life. And one of the things that I believe is that younger generations, and I think it, it gets worse each generation, not substantially, but Younger generations, parents want to protect their kids. Yeah. And they will often go out there and they'll say, oh, it's okay. It's not your fault, Jimmy, that this didn't happen for whatever reason. And so now the kids grow up thinking that everything's out of their control. When maybe sit down and, and help the child understand what was in their control, how they could have avoided it, and how they mm -hmm. could not have avoided it. So... And that's the same thing. We have this concept of lawnmower parents these days yeah, yeah. that are just clearing all the obstacles out, thinking that they're being compassionate. Yeah, but yeah. what they're doing is they're not preparing their children for how life really is so they can clear their own obstacles out uh -huh. later down the line. So, you know, applying this to a manager perspective, sometimes it requires a manager to have tough love for their their people but also coming from the sales perspective it means that sometimes you need to push your clients not manipulate them into yeah. buying something that's bad for them but pushing the clients to see what they may not see and working from that relationship approach might seem like it's the ethical thing to do mm -hmm. but in truth not really sure 
Well, it's almost as though the best, like, coming into, like, a relationship dynamic mm-hmm. involves pushing sometimes, where I would still even call yeah. it a relationship approach, where mm-hmm. if you have a good relationship with a friend or a spouse or a partner, sometimes you have to push for your own thoughts and beliefs in a dynamic. Ideally, you're coming eventually at, on the bottom line to something that works for the both of you. Yeah. So in this case where, you know, you would never throw out the relationship uh, book or anything like that, but right. it's how are you getting there? How are you prioritizing that first and foremost? Well, I mean, if I build on it, then I say the true compassion is mm. sometimes layered with a little bit of that tough love. Yeah. And that little bit of, hey, customer, hey, client, I need you to see that what you're doing is bad for your organization. Yeah. And here's what the actual solution yeah, yeah. happens to be. Whether it's with our company, whether it's with a competitor's company, you can't keep doing mm-hmm. what you're doing because it will be unsustainable in the long yeah. term. A tough line to walk. Yeah. And so it, it, you're right. It is a yeah, true yeah. relationship. There should be a little bit of conflict. And I think, you know, we can get um, philosophical uh, and, and wax poetic about it. Like even a romantic relationship there probably should be some form of adult fighting, not yeah. like not nasty fighting. Yeah, not slamming doors or yelling or right or, or trying to break each other down personally, mm-hmm. but you know, asserting your your own self to find the best path forward for that relationship. Yeah, I think one of the best working relationships I ever had was back when I was was actually in IT. The gentleman that I worked with, he and I were would butt heads all the time. But because we butted heads and because we respected each other, mm-hmm. we actually came up with some fantastic middle-of-the-ground yeah. solutions for our organization. Of course, it was mm-hmm. in IT, but I, I always strive for that type of compromise. Uh, and, and, you know, it's got to be the right kind of compromise, not mm-hmm. always meeting in the middle, but at least being able to be comfortable and vulnerable, I think, yeah. to put all of the, the the stuff, if you will, on the table. Mm-hmm. So that you can really come about it. And and I think, yes, build that relationship. So when I talk about negotiation and integrative uh, interest-based, uh, excuse me, interest-based negotiation, if you remember that experience of the role play that we did with the landlord, the more you put on the table, the more vulnerable you risk yourself yeah. being, the more likely you're able to say, well, wait a minute, here's how we can actually meet in the middle or here's Uh how we can actually construct that win-win so it isn't even just or i would say it's more than just meeting in the middle on any one basis it's in the interest of your long-term relationship having respect for each other and sometimes you win sometimes they win sometimes you get 75 percent win sometimes you meet in the middle if you were to put it on that two-dimensional line it's in the long term valuing the relationship or solutions above all else keeping an open mind you put it out there and you negotiate yeah, and, and the, the only true win is when both people gain value out of mm-hmm. the situation. And so that's how you should be thinking ethically, both for yourself and for the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't be giving up your commission to give the customer a good price because sure. that sets your that sells yourself short. Mm-hmm. And the customer, you shouldn't be milking the customer so much. So maybe you've got a great solution for them, but... By the time they see the ROI, they'll be out of business. Yeah. That's not a good solution for them either. Sure. And that's that's not an ethical way to go about it. And so, yeah, you've got a lot to to weigh. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about st- a stakeholder approach as well, it's, you know, uh, when you're giving discounts, if you're able to do that in your particular business, well, who else are you affecting in that particular organization mm-hmm. when you do it? When you do things that aren't necessarily ethical to the customer, you know, what 
you know, when you're doing uh, a great example that is ex um, expense account abuse, mm. right? How do you affect the, the entire yeah. organization? Yeah. I've seen organizations affected by that. I've seen uh, situations where underreporting your hours, thinking mm. that oh, it's okay, I want to work a little extra, I don't want to get in trouble for putting too many hours in. Yeah. Well, now people think you're Superman because you're getting stuff done. Yeah, yeah. So less poor expectations. Time. Exactly, and 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 you're contributing to wage theft, even though you're technically allowing them to steal it. Mm -hmm. I don't actually agree with this statement. If if, if you want to, if you want to be transparent, and say I worked twenty hours, yeah. but I'm only putting ten in. Then it's the ethical orientation of your employer to sure. decide whether that's okay or not. But you've taken the choice to do that. However, if you said, I put 10 hours in and it took me 10 hours when it really took you 20 hours to do that project, you're having potential effects on other people in the organization. Mm. Just as much as saying that you worked more time than uh, you put on your timesheet mm. or um, than you actually worked, excuse me, is just, that's, that's theft in and of itself as well. Sure. Have you? Have I what? Done Have you anything? done anything that might be uh, unethical or gray? Gray, sure. Um, not many times. Mm -hmm. Probably only once or twice that I can remember. Once unethical for the client and once unethical almost on behalf of the company that I worked for at the time. They're relatively small things in the grand scheme of things, but while they didn't affect anybody that time, it's something to walk away with and say, how are we going to change that next time? And it's good. More so came from emotions more mm -hmm. than anything else where, you know, you deal with a client long enough and you want to get something done that you're like, just, I need you to see this. And uh, one time specifically that I remembered was we were negotiating like final price points and whatnot. And I knew that in a month or two, it was a, a cyclical charges when I was uh, working for the advertising agency. It, it was cyclical charges on a monthly basis. And... I knew that two months from then I was need I was going to need to up their price by $150 because that just was the true value of what we were doing and we were going to have to purchase something later on. Mm -hmm. And I told them that in the first couple conversations, but they forgot and we had a lot of a lot of conversations and it was like the most drawn out extended sales cycle for what wasn't that large of a commitment. I got kind of emotional and I didn't bring it up when we were signing the final contract. Mm. It didn't say in there that it's not like I put in there, we're going to raise the prices and didn't tell them or hit it or anything like that. It was a more open-ended contract where we negotiate in good faith, but I didn't tell them that. And then when it came around two months later, I'm like, all right, we're going to have to be doing $500 a month. They're like, what the hell? Mm, you know, yeah. I agreed to $350 a month. I'm like, no, but I told you though. You know, even though I knew that there was a, an encoding issue along the way, I knew that they were not going to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. It was more so that I wanted the sale. And now that we've gotten started, it was a lot harder for them to back down. It isn't the worst thing in the world, but it is also a gray area where I was rushing to get a sale done. Mm -hmm. And I reaped the consequences where they, they did sign for a month or two, but then they dropped it shortly after because it was too expensive for them, or, yeah. you know, too expensive for them. And there's something to take away from that. Mm-hmm where like we were talking about before it's about managing expectations where if they weren't willing to sign at 500 then it's m basically just a waste of my time and then the creative team's time to keep working on their account if we're going to end up losing them in a couple months anyway because of poor negotiation right. or they're going to be just a hell of a client because they're going to keep pushing us trying to get like every single cent of their $500 a month subscription that they didn't intend on initially paying. Right. It ends up paying dividends or negative dividends in the long run. 
Well, and that's that's I think uh, the real important thing when it comes to being ethical is what is your long term orientation mm-hmm. with the particular customer or client. I did think of something that I did. I'll put it in the gray area. Yeah. Uh, I definitely didn't think of it as unethical then, but you you kind of spawned the memory with what you just mentioned. Early on in my business, back when it was up north, not what not our current business, when I was super hungry, um, and if I was having some financial issues, mm-hmm. I would ask for money right up front. Yeah, yeah. And that, in hindsight, put my issues on the client instead of them uh-huh. saying, "Here's your net thirty day terms." Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I was in my twenties and wasn't really thinking holistically. I yeah. was just very much a short term thinker then, and so desperate for the money. And it should have included yeah. the clients in, but the clients were also very they they knew me, they liked me, so yeah. I knew that I could get away with it. They didn't mind doing it, but in hindsight, I wish I hadn't mm-hmm. done that. Um, because it sometimes did put a strain on the relationship when yeah. was, uh, when I was like, can I, can I have a check today? Yeah. Yeah. It's take, keep continuing to take from a relationship right? where it's very reasonable and normal to want to take from a relationship or the same way that you give into a relationship. That's kind of the process of a give and take of a relationship. Mm-hmm. But again, it's managing the expectations and, and finding the middle ground between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That actually reminds me, I was listening to a comedian earlier, actually earlier today, on the drive here, I was listening to, I, I put it on uh, my radio, so I've been getting old on some some different music I've been listening to, but mm-hmm. Tom Segura on Netflix, have you, have you ever heard of him? That's old, huh? That's old? <laughs> yes, I have heard of him. Yeah. Uh, he's not too old. Uh, I didn't, he's uh, He just released something just a couple of weeks ago on, okay. on Netflix, but it's one of his older specials on Netflix, and I've already listened to it before, but he said, in the, in the special, he said, uh... This is real life advice, you know, no jokes here. The best way to maintain your happiness is to manage your expectations. Mm. And if you can manage your expectations, everything else will come so much easier. Mm -hmm. And it's in the middle of a comedy show, but it's completely true on every facet of life. And I really liked it. I think about it sometimes. I think that's one of the more stoic, uh, one of the philosophies of the stoics is, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't expect everything to go well. Uh, And, and again, I'm not, um, Uh, I'm not one of those people that that thumps the Stoic Bible. There's no such thing, but thumps the Stoic Bible. Yeah, sure. But I definitely understand that as as a Stoic concept. But it is absolutely important. You know, when you go into a sale, when you go into a situation, um, the, the uh, premeditation of evils is mm. something that I like to think about. And you know, this can can actually be a, a good professional development thing for the viewers and listeners to think about. But the premeditation of evils, you obviously want everything to go out and you want to, and it's, it's incumbent upon you to make sure that everything happens properly and, mm. and goes well. But what could go wrong? Manage those expectations. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually research out there that shows that it's great for goal setting. Mm-hmm. So you may have heard that if you set goals, you should write them down. Yeah, that yeah, that's one of the biggest more likely, Yeah. Well, the next part is don't just write them down but write down what could get in the way of them happening. Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting, actually. I don't think I've ever heard that before. And then the third part of that, what are you going to do if X happens? Mm -hmm. So let's say your goal is to consume less calories, for example, as I hold up my beer. Well, how are you going to do it, right? What is your strategy for doing it? Is it going to be to not drink as much when you go out? to order a side of broccoli as opposed to a side yeah. of fries. But what could sabotage you? 
Could it be peer pressure to have fries? Could it be you really crave fries? Yeah. Could it be the alcohol getting to you and yeah. therefore you don't think quite as well? Mm. And then what That's are you one going of the to ones. do? <laughs> yeah, right. And then what are you going to do about it? Yeah. How are you going to recover if that happens? Well, maybe drink lower alcohol content, uh, alcohol, beer, or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, for the listeners and viewers, we drink beer, but sometimes I'll switch to an athletic IPA. And this is not promotion or anything like that, but that is basically a low calorie, yeah, z- almost zero alcohol beer. And that's so that I, I'm not, it's not so much for the calories, although that's a benefit of it, but it's also to make sure that I'm, you know, not getting tipsy. I actually don't like getting drunk. Yeah. So, so that is actually, yeah, something Stoics did back two, three, four thousand years ago, but it's actually part of a research project that was done. Where? Uh, I forget where the research was, and um, but I'll try and put it in the show notes so people can look it up if you want to really geek out on some academic research. But the people who did all three things, as you got progressively more with the preparation, yeah. the more likely they were to hit their objectives. Interesting. So it, it, it goes... Like you climbed, as yeah. opposed to, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's... You know, you've got to think about what you want. You've got to write it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to your friends about it. That's one philosophy. I guess another philosophy is just do it in, in private. But that's if you're extremely yeah. self-motivated. But then what can get in the way? And how are you going to deal with what might get in the way? I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, another example. Let's say you want to wake up early. And that's one of your objectives. Yeah, so yeah. you go to the gym. Well, what can you do? What's what's held you back from getting up early in the past? Now, let's check put this into a sales context for the sales mindset. When you go into a sale, what are the possible objections? What are you going to say about the objections? When you go into cold calling, what's possibly mm-hmm. going to happen that could throw you off? When you look at your sales goals, when you look at putting out your KPIs, if you say you're going to make, depending on your, your call length, um, 10 to 100 calls a day, dials or actual conversations, yeah, yeah. is fear going to get in your way? What are you going to do about that fear if you suddenly find yourself procrastinating, if you find yourself on your phone scrolling through TikTok, Instagram, or whatever, what are you going to do? Yeah. Delete them from your phone. You can install control software on your yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. Those ones are becoming more popular, right? too. The oh, various yeah. things that you can do, like I know with my Android, uh, yeah, I'm a green bubble person. Uh, I know <laughs> with my shame. Android, uh, I can turn certain apps off. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, like right now, nine to nine, it technically shuts all my apps down except yeah. for some key apps. Uh, it's relatively easy to turn off on the Android, but the point is, at you, least have to go, got... you have to take the active step. It's, at that point, it isn't being passive and opening an app. It's I'm actively going out of yeah. my way to make a an inoptimal decision, which is a different. I feel like it's a different psychological process. Yeah, and the same thing. You know, if we if you're as a salesperson, you should still be looking at lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you doing to block out distractions from yeah. that? From being that from from reading, say, strategic selling with Miller Hyman or Challenger yeah. Sale or something like that, uh, so you don't get too easily distracted. Well, put your phone on DND and only have so many people that can actually slip through that do mm-hmm. not disturb Gateway, which I know all phones can actually do. Yeah, um, and that's important when when you're pushing forward. And you know, just to tie it with your original question, ethics: How would you treat yourself? What do you do to guide yourself so that you are the best person you are? Yeah. And I think that we this is really really going beyond. Uh, what we normally talk about, but I think that you have an ethical responsibility to to be 
somewhat productive. You have an mm-hmm. ethical responsibility to take rests as well. This isn't going to be a toxic productivity. But that being the case, you have that responsibility to grow your mind. Mm-hmm. For the people around you, yeah. if you're a manager, for the people that work for you, if you're a parent, for your kids, for your for your partner, mm-hmm. uh, and and in being general, present and yeah, a part of your community, yeah, part of your community. You're always learning, so that you're an educated yeah. um, individual. And education can be domain specific. We're talking sales because you know even to your team, if you're a if you can push yourself above the average in your sales team just a little bit above average, then you become mm-hmm. a resource for your sales team. Yeah. You become a resource for your coworkers, and you can have that community-based approach. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want to lose sight of that either. I actually find that to be a really good motivator sometimes mm-hmm. where if I get really stressed or down on myself because I'm not able to get something done or I start losing faith in something, it isn't just for me. It's being a part of my community where if I if I withdraw into myself and I'm antisocial and upset all the time, I'm not able to be there for my girlfriend or I'm not able to yeah. be there for my friends or my roommates or if I'm a little messy, it doesn't, I, I live with other people. So it's, it's inconvenient to the people I live with as well um, on the negative and positive side of that. Yeah. As long as you are taking that time for yourself too. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's important to recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, you, maybe you do need time away from your girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, and I think even spouses can, can serve to have some time away from each other. Mm. Who am I to talk about? Not married, <laughs> but, you know, uh, and I think there's, I, I remember hearing about a really uh, interesting couple where they made sure they had their own nights, but they also had their nights together. And that yeah. night, that time apart helped them grow together stronger. Yeah. And, and it's a matter of communicating, I think. So in other words, if... Um, I'm not going to use your girlfriend's name on, on, on the podcast, but if, you know, a uh, girlfriend... You know, I love you. I want to be with you more often than not. But right now, I just need a little bit of time for myself. Once I get through this, mm-hmm. you and I are going to do something special. Yeah. Right? It's that balance of communicating when you do need that time mm-hmm. for yourself. Or maybe recognizing that you can make it a small, short-term sacrifice if she's going through some sort of crisis. And yeah. you need to actually be there for her. Definitely. And that's something that never changes is... No matter what stage of life you're in, I think everybody likes a certain amount of time by themselves. Even mm. if even if it's on one side of the extreme, if it's vegging out and watching TV by yourself. Yeah. Or on the other end, it's because I want to go work out or go for a run and not even have to think about talking to somebody. Or I don't have to think about responding to a text message. Or I have to think yeah. about engaging. You just have that, that time to, to be with yourself. That doesn't change no matter what stage of life you're in or what relationship you're in. And having that understanding and communication is huge in any form of relationship. Absolutely. And, and you know, you know, keeping with that theme of ethics and then this toxic productivity. Yeah, right? yeah. Toxic productivity I, is a I good one. I think I'm all about grinding. I'm all mm-hmm. about grit. I'm all about doing... I'm all about the fact that 40 hours is average. And if you want to be above average, you've got to do more than 40 hours. Mm-hmm. But not to the detriment of the relationships that you're in. Yeah. As much as you might say, I need to do this for this 60 hour week. Yeah. Week, week, week for, um, for however long, because I want to make sure I can take care of my family. Well, what good is taking care of the family? If they don't see you. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you've got to find ways of balancing that out. There's no Mm -hmm. one answer to it. It depends on who you are, what industry you're in, uh, et cetera. I, I really like the way I run my life because I can have a couple 60-hour weeks right in a row, maybe even for a month or two, but then I can drop down to a 10-hour week yeah, and yeah. relax a little bit. I never like not working. However, I recognize that mm-hmm. I that there are going to be times when I need to spend it with friends and I need to yeah. close the laptop. I need to put the phone away or even turn yeah. the damn thing off. Uh, well, not with my father where he's at right now, but still, like, you know, shut down as much as possible so I can be in the now with the people that Mm -hmm. actually matter to me. Yeah. 
think that's one that often gets lost mm-hmm. sometimes, especially when you have a lot of responsibilities and you get stressed about all the things you have on your plate. Mm-hmm. You don't even think about it. You're like, oh, I have to get this done. And I know that I fall into the, the problem sometimes. And I've just recently had a realization where I, I've kind of let my to-do list go by the wayside, mm-hmm. where a lot of the, everything I'm doing right now is very open-ended mm-hmm. and there's always something else to do. There's always another sales call to make. There's always another uh, thing I can do on social media. So when I finish a good chunk of work for the day, there's always something else mm. as opposed to prepping a to-do list where I can say, this is a reasonable amount of objectives to complete in a day. And I'm going to schedule, excuse me, schedule my time this way. Then when it's done, I can use the rest of that time to give to myself or to my friends and mm-hmm. family and whatnot. And work is for myself as well, but it's a different type of yeah. you know giving to yourself. It's like a professional cliffhanger. You know, you've got something waiting for you the next day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Super excited to hop back on another sales call the next day. Exactly. So, oh, look at that. Puberty oh, that strikes crazy. even at 47. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, ethics, I think. So, to answer your first question, I guess there have been times when I haven't been completely ethical. I, I, I would say that, I, that on the surface, in the moment, I've always considered the people that I'm dealing with. There have been times that I've worked too hard. There have been times that uh, I've probably put my own health on the side and of course there were those times that I put pressure on my clients when they didn't need that particular pressure I haven't really manipulated them into doing something but still you want to treat people with with respect and Mm -hmm. that includes yourself and the people around you sure definitely I think that the way that you treat your own schedule and time often reflects in how you treat other people and treat the people around you so that's where we are for today. Uh, remember to treat people with respect. That includes yourself and the people around you, not just your customers. Yes, they are your bread and butter, but uh, the people around you are your life. Any final thoughts? It's a very wholesome way to end the uh, the ethics conversation for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll catch you later.